Look out. It's a Sparrow Pictures. Snippet. Are you guys getting affected by the writer's strike at all? A little bit. I mean, yes and no. So WGA does not represent animation writers. Oh, so wow. Right. I know that's its own issue, <laughs> but in these situations, it's beneficial. <laughs> so we cannot negotiate on any of our live action projects or, you know, meet with anyone, even a general meeting for live action. But as far as any animated product projects we have on the table, they can still move forward. Yeah. And I think that it's um, it affects us more on a global level right. in that how the industry is going to react over the next few months, yeah. even if this thing is over in two months. There are going to be ripple effects. I think the studios, when they know a strike is imminent, they start pulling back on what they're going to buy. Um, and their whole year, they start re rethinking their whole year about what they're going to put out. Um, so I think many of us at home just watching stuff are going to feel it a year from now. Um, mm -hmm. But who knows? It just started yesterday or what was it, last night at midnight. Um, but we're very much in favor of it yes. because also on a global scale, it does trickle down to how everybody is treated. Um mm -hmm. Mostly writers and animation writers, uh, our quotes, our writers' quotes, even though it's animation, there's this expectation that has, has started to get set. It's a dangerous expectation. All these streamers don't have to play by any of the rules, and they're the primary content that a lot of us consume now. And so all the rules we set up for TV and film don't apply to all these things you go to now to watch. And all those people that write that stuff are not – they're not being benefited by all the trickle-down um, money that was set yeah. up with TV film. So it's a, this is a very important kind of line in the sand that we're supportive of. Like there was one uh, syndication, uh, you know, uh, sitcom writer whose uh, work is in syndication who used to get 20000 a year from an old show he wrote on. I mean, that's your pension plan, you know, when you're mm -hmm. an artist. And last year he got seven, was it 700? Yeah. I mean, it was that stark of a difference because of streamers, like not even because they've taken away the royalty aspect or the box office bonus aspect or for television, some of the syndication yeah. fees. So it's, it is like a landmark. I know WGA hasn't always been great negotiators in the past, but this is an important one, how we move forward as can an you, industry. Can you, can you just for the viewers at home who uh, may not understand you know, our business. Can you uh, give just, uh, you know, how you would explain to somebody, you know, what that basically kind of, you touched on it a little bit, but like how the, the, like the pay structure used to be and how it is now because of the streamers, because a lot of people, I mean, obviously it affected people at home from the standpoint of like Netflix and Amazon came on the scene 15 years ago and upended the way that we consume content. But they also upended the way that people get paid on the back end. Can you kind of give a little bit of an explanation? Oh, yes. You, you can start. <laughs> well, contractually, standard contracts would include box office bonuses. So if, it, if your film made a certain amount of money in the box office, you would get a kickback. You would get a bonus because your film did well. Or, you know, residuals or royalties, depending on how you worked on the film, could be paid to you like we we still get royalties and you know residuals off of hoodwinked and that was 20 almost 20 years ago and in our business that is your retirement plan that's your 401k that's your pension is those royalties and um and fees yeah, yeah anyway yeah. so when streamers like netflix 
suddenly say, you know what, we're the big boy on the playground now, and we're just going to do a buyout of the film you just made. And they're a different technology. So that was argued in the last contract with the unions. It's like, so there's experimental. No stipulation in standard contracts for streamers because it didn't exist when most contracts were written. And so, uh, you know, now it's not going to box office at all. So you've lost those bonuses, that income. And then they do buyouts. Netflix just does buyouts. And so you don't get any residuals, any royalties, unless you like, like Hoodwinked had music. So we still get royalties for music publishing rights, that type of thing, but not for the film itself. And that's a huge loss of income when now so many things because of COVID or just because of convenience, films are going straight to streamers like Disney Plus, HBO Max, Netflix, and not hitting theaters at all. And that was a huge lawsuit with Scarlett Johansson when uh, Black Widow uh, went straight to... Yeah, it went straight to Disney Plus. Yeah. And there went her bonuses. And she's like, right. um, you cost me $30 million. No. <laughs> so she sued and they successfully settled out of court. You know, who knows what that looked like. But it's it's taking away, you know, our livelihood. And you might think $30 million, who needs that? But that's you know, we're not getting $30 million. So it trickles down to affect the people who are doing lower budget films. We're affected in major ways, especially past our working years, right? Like that's those, yeah. Yeah. And you ask like how you get paid and it can be a variety of ways, but but, but typically traditionally, you know, you might get paid to do the job. Uh, you might get paid to direct the film, to write the film. That's one payment. Um, and then as she said, as if, if something does well, um, you share a little bit, you know, like it's not even taking away money from anyone. It's like, Hey, how about we share uh, like we agreed on years ago. Um, and, and by contrast, I had a movie come out a couple years ago on Netflix and they basically bought it for how much it costs to make. They bought it for almost the price of the budget. Mm -hmm. And that was what they had to offer. And there weren't a lot of other people buying films at that time. And so the producers took it. And so, you know, I will never make a dime on that film, even if it was right. uh, one of the top well, five films of uh, We got paid week. to make it, but that's yeah. how anyone would get paid to do a job. But, you know, going into a Netflix film, like uh, when you see uh, The Rock, he's going to make a Netflix film with Ryan Reynolds. They're going to ask for a crazy pile of money, and Netflix will give them that crazy pile of money, and then they go away and they never get a cent again. Or they may have worked out something on their own because they're The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> right. But for the most part, Netflix is happy to give a big pile of money to a lot mm -hmm. of um, artists, which kind of bedazzles a lot of artists, especially young up-and-coming artists. Mm -hmm. But then it's like 10 years. They'll show that film for 20 years and they don't ever have to pay anybody. Whereas, as, as Vicky said, you know, a lot of these writers, so much of our business is not movie stars or A-list, you know, right. Uh, uh, you know, John August level. I'm trying to think of other A-list writers that um, a lot of these people are just working class people that are just making a decent living. And mm -hmm. that is now eroding with all these right. streamers. So that's what we're and, fighting for. And right. the amounts I'm saying sound like huge amounts of money, but in our industry, as you know, it is feast or famine. You might only work six right. months out of the year and you have to make that money last and, and, you know, save for retirement and your kid's college fund. I mean, like you really have to be a good financial steward to make sure you don't go under because it's not consistent pay. So it sounds like a lot of money, but. Yeah. What we've experienced is, you know, whatever you get paid, it's the money that you get on a job, which may come once or twice a year, if you're lucky, the big jobs, it's this iceberg. 
and then it yep. starts to melt. So yep. you got to get the biggest iceberg you can because then you don't know how long it's going to be till it melts and right. you're yeah. around. And oh, it, no, it melts. Totally. There might not be another iceberg yet. Yeah. yeah. You're waiting for another one to come along. And yeah. so, yeah, it's that's how really I. really wise. Yeah. So you fight for the biggest iceberg you can, you can get, is what I'm saying. Right, right. Yeah. The next one you might see and you might uh, run into in the middle of the night, and there goes your ship. Um, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, so. yeah. It's another metaphor. Yes. Did you know as of today, silver cannot go below $19 an ounce? That's right, because it costs $19 to make an ounce of silver. But your 401k can go to zero. And that's why so many people are transferring much of their IRA and their 401ks into physical precious metals. To protect your wealth, you can go to sparrowgold.com today to talk to one of our advisors. Or if you're like me, you can text or call 720-605-3900 to get a free consultation and a free guide. In these unstable times, you can have peace of mind. Go to spirogold.com or text or call 720-605-3900 today. 